ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد Today then carrying on with the fiqh of Ramadan, we've reached the hadith of Abu Hurairah رضي الله عنه قال بينما نحن جلوس عند النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إذ جاء رجل فقال Abu Hurairah رضي الله عنه says whilst we were sitting with the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم on one occasion a man came and said, Ya Rasulullah, O Messenger of Allah, Halaktu, I am destroyed. He said, once we were sitting with the Prophet ﷺ, and a man came and he said to the Prophet ﷺ, O Messenger of Allah, I am destroyed. Faqal, so the Prophet ﷺ said to him, Ma ahlakak? What has destroyed you? What has destroyed you? What has occurred? Oh, malaka, or in the wording, what is up with you? What has happened? Qal, the man said, Waqa'atu ala mara'ati wa ana sa'im. He said, I had intercourse with my wife whilst I was fasting during the day. And in one narration it says, أَصَبْتُ أَهْلِ فِي رَمَضَانِ Again, meaning the same that I had intercourse with my family, with my wife, during Ramadan, fasting in the day. So then the Prophet ﷺ said to him, فَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ هَلْ تَجِدُ رَقَبَةً تَعْتِقُهَا Can you find a slave to free? Can you free a slave? Qala, the man said no. That is out of my capability, I could not free a slave. Qal, fahal tastati' an tasuma shahrayni mutatabi'ayn. Then the Prophet said to him, In that case, are you able to fast two months consecutively? Day after day, two months. Qala, la. The man said, no, I am not capable of being able to do that. قال, so then the Prophet said, فَهَلْ تَجِدُ إِطْعَامَ سِتِّينَ مِسْكِينَ Are you able to feed 60 poor people then? Are you able to feed 60 poor people then? قال, the man said, لا, I can't. He was a poor man. He said, I can't even do that. I don't have the ability to feed 60 people. قال, فَسَكَتَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وسلم. So the Prophet ﷺ went quiet. After giving him those three options, can you free a slave? He said, I can't. He doesn't have the money to get a slave to free the slave. Can you fast two months consecutively? He said, I'm not actually able to do that. His body, physically, whatever it was. Are you able to feed 60 people? He said, I can't do that either. 
So then the Prophet ﷺ went quiet. فَبَيْنَمَا نَحْنُ عَلَى ذَلِكَ And then the narrator Abu Huraira says, whilst we were then sitting there, whilst we were then just sitting there, now the man had come with his situation, the Prophet ﷺ had given him those options, none of them were possible. So now there was a bit of silence, and he said, whilst we were sitting there then in that situation, إِذْ أُوتِيَ النَّبِيُّ بِعَرَقٍ فِيهِ that at that moment, somebody happened to come in with a bowl of dates or a basket of dates. قال, then the Prophet ﷺ said, Where's that man gone? The man had now maybe just gone somewhere, sat down or something. The Prophet ﷺ said, Where is the questioner gone? Where has he gone, that questioner? قال, Ana. So the man came, he said, It was me, I. I. قال, خُذ هَذَا فَتَصَدَّقْ بِهِ The Prophet ﷺ said to him, after the first three choices, none of them were possible, he said, take this basket of dates and give them in charity. Take this basket of dates as the final thing then, can't do any of the others, take this basket of dates and go and give them in charity. فَقَالْ آه عَلَىٰ أَفْقَرَ مِنِّي يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ The man said, Is there anybody poorer than me, O Messenger of Allah? That man was the most poorest man there. He was the most poorest man. There was nobody else he could give charity to that was more deserving of it than himself. He was the poorest. He said, O Messenger of Allah, is there anybody poorer than me? فَوَاللَّهِ مَا بَيْنَ لَابَتَيْهَا يُرِيدُ الْحَرَّتَيْنِ أَهْلُ بَيْتٍ أَفْقَرُ مِنْ أَهْلِ بَيْتِ The man said, by Allah, there is nobody between the two sides of Medina. Nobody within the boundaries here poorer than my family. And that was all truth. فَضَحِكَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ حَتَّى بَدَتْ أَنْيَابُهُ So the Prophet laughed. Until his teeth became apparent. He laughed until his teeth could be seen. After all of the options were gone. Give this in charity. He said even this in charity. There is nobody more than myself and my family. So the Prophet laughed until his teeth could be seen. And yeah, the, the front teeth here could be seen. Then go and feed your family with it. This hadith then, the subject of it is regarding the intercourse that occurs during the day whilst you're fasting. Of course we know this is one of the things that clearly breaks your fast. And it is impermissible to engage in intercourse during the day whilst somebody is fasting. So that is the topic of this particular, this particular hadith. It is mentioned that the man who came was Salama ibn Sakhar al-Bayadi. That was his name. Salama ibn Sakhar al-Bayadi. He was the man who came to the Prophet ﷺ and asked him about this affair. 
So what do we learn from this hadith? We learn that intercourse during the day in Ramadan is one of the prohibited acts. And it is one of the things that is destroying of you. You engage in intercourse during the day whilst you're fasting in Ramadan or the obligatory fasts, then it is something which is destructive and it is an impermissible act. We also learn that the person who does it on purpose, upon him is the kafara. The kafara being the expiation. He's got to do something now to make up for this act. And what is that kafara? What is that expiation he's got to do to make up? Initially, number one, he is supposed to try and free a slave. If he can find a slave, buy a slave, free a slave, that is the primary thing he is supposed to do. If that is not possible, then number two, this is all in order, freeing a slave is the first thing. If you can't do that, then number two is you have to fast two months in a row. Not just 60 days whenever you want, a few days take a break, a few days take a break. All in a row. 60 days in a row, two months in a row. And if you can't do that, you're not capable, then what? Then number three choice is that you feed 60 people, 60 poor people. You feed 60 poor people. Some of the scholars, they say, if none of those three are possible for you, then there is no kafara upon you. If you genuinely, not somebody being deceptive, genuinely, you can't do any of the three. You can't free a slave. You can't fast two months in a row. You can't feed 64 people. You genuinely cannot do any of them because of your poverty or your health, etc., then some scholars say, that's it. After those three, there's nothing upon you then. Sincerely, genuinely, you couldn't do it. Others, they do say though, nothing's upon you until you become capable. So imagine five years later, you become rich. Now this is still waiting to be done. So you go free a slave. Can't do it? Then go feed 60 people if you still can't fast two months in a row. Or maybe a year later, you become healthier and you can do two months in a row now. So do it now. So some scholars say, if you can't do any of them, you're excused. But if a time comes later on in your life when you are capable now all of a sudden, then come back and do one of them. Do them in order, whichever one you can. Other scholars, they say, it does not drop at all. It does not drop at all. You've got to do it at some point at least, like we mentioned there. The hadith also indicates... That if you are incapable, if you are incapable, somebody else can help you on your behalf to fulfill that expiation. Somebody can help you on your behalf to fulfill that expiation. In the end, the charity the man gave to his own family, where did he get the charity from? From the Prophet from somebody else, it wasn't his own. He was helped with that to go and give the charity with it.
Sheikhul Islam ibn Taymiyyah says about this issue. Yuftiru bin nasi wal ijma' al-akal wa shurb al-jima' By the texts and by consensus, eating, drinking and intercourse breaks your fast. وَثَبَتَ بِالسُنَّ وَالْإِجْمَاعَ أَنَّ الدَّمَ الْحَيْدِ يُنَافِ الصُّمُ فَلَا تَصُومُ الْحَاءُ It is also established by the sunnah and by consensus that periods for the women, they go against fasting. You cannot fast when you are on the period, but you make up those days afterwards. And then he goes on to mention some of the other affairs relating to the topic. But the key thing here now we need to discuss is يرى عامة العلماء وجوب الكفارة على من جامع متعمدا واختلفوا في الناس Somebody who has intercourse on purpose knowingly Then they are agreed upon him is to give the kafara. But what if it happens accidentally Somebody forgets Somebody forgets genuinely that they are fasting And they engage in that act and then they recall afterwards what is the ruling upon him? Ikhtalafu. They have differences of opinion on this. Hal wujubul kafara ala takhir awit tartib. Also, uh, the majority opinion, in fact, for that issue, or as the Sheikh says, what appears to be correct is that it would not be upon him. If somebody genuinely, mistakenly, accidentally did that, didn't realize at all until they remembered afterwards, <coughs> then the Shaykh here, Shaykh Bassam, he mentions that perhaps the most authentic opinion is there is nothing upon him. Also, there's another issue. Those three options, can you do any one of them or do they have to be in order? First, you try to free a slave. If you can't, then you try to do two months. If you can't, then you can feed 60 people. Or is it a choice? Any one of the three? So again, this is differed amongst the scholars. This is differed amongst the scholars. Al-Imam Malik and one of the opinions of Al-Imam Ahmed is that it is an option. Al-Imam Malik and one of the opinions of Al-Imam Ahmed is that it is an option. Whichever one of the three he can do. However, the majority of the scholars, including Al-Imam Shafi'i and Al-Imam Abu Hanifa, and the most popular opinion from Al-Imam Ahmed, and the Salaf like Al-Thawri, Al-Awza'i, that those three options must be done in order. If you can do the first one, freeing the slave, that's the one you do. If you can't do that one, then you go to number two, fasting two months. If you can't do that one, then you go to number three, Feeding 60 people. And then there was the issue we mentioned briefly now. If a person is unable, like this man was unable, then what is the ruling? Do we just say, okay, there's nothing upon you then? It's excused. Or is it something you got to do eventually when you got the ability? Again, it's a difference of opinion between the scholars. The popular opinion from the Madhab of Al-Imam Ahmad and one of the opinions of Al-Imam Shafi'i is that it is excused. If you are not able to genuinely do it, then it is excused. 
ولو كان كفارة عنه ما جاز ذلك وذهب الجمهور إلى أنها لا تسقط بالعصار لأنه ليس في الحديث ما يدل على ذلك So why do they say that if you are not able to do it at all then you are excused The man in the end did he actually do any expiation He gave a charity to who? To his own family his own family, they went and ate those dates. The scholars, they say, that is therefore an indication that it was not an expiation. You can't expiate in that way, go and feed your own family. So they say that indicates it wasn't an expiation really that. That wasn't considered as an expiation as such. So they say it was really excused. The bottom line, it was excused at the end of the day. He took the dates and he fed his own family, he was the poorest of them all. Other scholars, they say no. That isn't a proof that he was excused. He did take the dates and he did go and feed them. If it was his own family, that's because they were genuinely the poorest of them all. So some scholars, they say it does not be excused. And like we mentioned, they say eventually if you are able to do it at a later time, you come back and do it at a later time. There is also an issue regarding the woman. A man, that's the rulings. Are they the same for the woman? The woman who in, has the intercourse with the man, she's got to do those three in order as well. That's a difference of opinion. Regarding whether this obligation is upon the woman or not. The man came to the Prophet ﷺ and he said, I had intercourse with my wife in the day in Ramadan. The Prophet ﷺ gave him these options. You've got to do these things. Expiate your sin. Did the Prophet ﷺ anywhere in the hadith say, and by the way, go tell your wife she's got to do these things as well? Never. So some scholars say, the fact that the Prophet ﷺ only told him you got to do these things and never said to him, go and tell your wife she's got to do that one first or that one or that one, nothing, indicates the ruling is only for the men. That is an opinion of the scholars. But other scholars, they say, no, the ruling applies to the men and the women equally. Because whatever rulings apply to the men, by default they apply to the women, unless it is specified otherwise. So that is a difference there too. Now we move on to the chapter regarding traveling. Traveling and fasting. First, we have the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha. Anna Hamza ibn Amr al-Aslami. قال للنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أأصوم في السفر وكان كثير الصيام قال إن شئت فصم وإن شئت فأفطر حديث بخاري مسلم again this man Hamza ibn Amr al-Aslami he came to the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and he said to him should I fast when I'm traveling. And he used to fast a lot. So he said, sometimes I end up on a journey. Should I still fast when I'm on a journey? Should I still fast when I'm traveling? The Prophet ﷺ said to him, In shi'ta fasum. If you want to, fast. Wa in shi'ta fa'aftir. And if you want, don't fast. So the Prophet ﷺ gave him a clear choice. The man came asking, Shall I fast when I'm traveling or not? The Prophet ﷺ said to him, It's up to you. Fast if you want. Take it off if you want. 
the Sahaba knew that when you are traveling, there is a license, a permission for you to not have to fast when you're traveling. They knew that. So why did he come to ask this question, shall I fast still or not? Because he knew, he knew Hamza al-Aslami was a man who was strong. He was strong and fit and healthy. And he knew that it was simple. Even when he was traveling, he could fast easily. He had no problem. He knew he could do that. So he was thinking to himself, do I really need to take this permission and not fast? Allah has given us the permission as a mercy upon us. But me, the way I am, fit and strong and healthy, I have no problem in fasting when I'm traveling. So should I really be missing when I can fast? So he came to ask the Prophet ﷺ, basically, should I really be missing when I can fast? So the Prophet ﷺ said to him, if you want, fast. But if you want, you can still take it off. There's nothing upon you. Even if you have the ability, but you want to take it off, you want to take the permission, you can take the permission. And don't fast, even if you have the ability. So that's what this narration indicates. And this is what the scholars, they say, that if a person is traveling... Does he have to fast or not? It depends. If that person is not capable of fasting when traveling, he isn't capable of doing it. He'll end up crashing the car, he'll end up falling unconscious. He can't do it. If he is a type of person who can't do it when he's traveling, then that person does not apply this hadith. He doesn't have a choice. He does not have a choice. He is not allowed to fast when traveling. Because he's not capable. This hadith only applies to somebody who is actually fit and strong and capable. Somebody who is fit and healthy and capable of fasting even when traveling, then they have the choice. If they want, they can fast. And they won't have any days to make up afterwards. But if they decide... That they will take the permission Allah has given them anyway and just miss it anyway, that is allowed and it is completely okay. Some scholars even say, some scholars even say that it is better that you take the permission, even if you're able to fast, even if you have the ability and the health and you could fast. Some scholars say it is better that you take the choice not to fast. Why? Because they say there is the narration, إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ أَن تُؤْتَى رُخَصُهُ Allah loves that you take the permissions He gives you. So they say, look, Allah has given you a permission when you're traveling, don't fast. So take it, don't fast when you're traveling. But other scholars, they say, no. It is better to just fast if you're able. Because that way, you won't have any days left to make up on your shoulders afterwards. You won't have any responsibility hanging on your shoulders for afterwards. If you're able to do it, then do it now. Better you do the worship now than leave it till later. Who knows what can happen later. So that's a difference of scholars about what choice you should make. But the point is you have a choice. If you're healthy and fit and capable. Do you have to make up if you take the permission? Of course. If you take the permission then to miss, you decide I will miss, then afterwards you have to make up those days that you miss for traveling. Afterwards you make up those days that you miss for traveling. No, that's different. The one who has missed his fasting over the years, he was not practicing before, then that's it. 
He doesn't have to make up 20 years of fasting he never used to be practicing. Now he makes tawbah, asks Allah for forgiveness, and starts practicing properly and carries on. We'll have to leave them to the end. Huh? Next hadith of Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu anhu qal, Kunna nusafiru ma'a Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, falam ya'ibi sa'imu ala al-muftir, wala al-muftiru ala sa'im. Same hadith or same type of meaning again. In this one it says, Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu anhu says, we used to be traveling with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and the, some of them used to be fasting, they took the choice to fast, and some of them used to take the choice not to fast. He said the ones who were fasting never used to criticize the ones who weren't fasting, and the ones who weren't fasting never used to criticize the ones who were fasting. Indicating both are options you're allowed to do. When you're traveling, fast if you want to fast, if you're able. Take the choice off if you want to take it off. Nobody can say anything against the other person. Nobody can say to you, you're capable of fasting, why are you taking it off for? You're allowed. Nobody can criticize you. And the other way too, the person can't say, why are you fasting? Why are you fasting? You should take the permission, stop fasting. They can't. You have the choice, you can do it if you want. So this hadith indicates and it says, the ones who were fasting never used to criticize the ones who weren't fasting. And the ones who weren't fasting never used to criticize the ones who were fasting. So when you're traveling, if you are able, then you have a choice. Fast if you want, miss it if you want. And then if you miss it, you make it up afterwards. Next hadith. Anabi Darda, radiyallahu anhu qal, kharajna ma'a rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fi shahri ramadhan fi harrin shadeed. حَتَّى إِنْ كَانَ أَحَدُنَا لِيَضَعَ يَدَهُ عَلَى رَأْسِهِ مِنْ شِدَّةِ الْحَرْبِ وَمَا فِينَا صَائِمٌ إِلَّا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمْ وَعَبْدُ اللَّهِ إِبْنُ رَوَاحَةِ In this hadith it mentions, Abu Darda رضي الله عنه says, that on one occasion, a group of us, we went out with the Prophet ﷺ on a journey in Ramadan it was. We went out with the Prophet ﷺ on a journey in Ramadan during the day when everybody was supposed to be fasting. He says it was so hot we were putting our hands on top of our heads to try and stop the heat. We were putting our hands on top of our heads to try and stop the heat coming. It was so hot when they were traveling that day. And he says none of us were fasting. Everybody had taken the option to miss in that heat traveling, except the Prophet ﷺ, he was fasting, and Abdullah ibn Rawaha. They were the only two who were able to burden that travel and had the ability with that journey and that difficulty to still be able to fast, so they were fasting, they took the choice to fast. Everybody else, they weren't able to burden it. You could be fit and healthy. But a journey like that, the nature of the journey may mean you're not able to do it. And they couldn't do it. The nature of the journey, the heat, nobody took the option to fast, everybody took the option to miss, except the Prophet ﷺ and Abdullah ibn Rawaha, they were the only two who took the option to fast. So again, the same meaning, same meaning when you're traveling, if you have the ability, you have the choice. Only two people had the ability here, the Prophet ﷺ, Abdullah ibn Rawaha, they took the option to fast. Everybody else, they couldn't do it. They weren't able, they didn't fast. Or even if they were able, 
they chose not to. Here, the Shaykh in the explanation says, really, the rest of them were not able. Then, عن جابر بن عبد الله رضي الله عنه قال كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم في سفر فرأى زحاما ورجلا قد ظلل عليه فقال ما هذا that the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم went out on a journey and he saw a crowd of people and a man who a shade was being placed over him فقال ما هذا so he said what is this what's going on قالوا صائم they said he's fasting قال ليس من البر الصيام في السفر he said it is not piety to fast when traveling and in another narration, عَلَيْكُمْ بِرُخْصَةِ اللَّهِ الَّتِي رَخَّصَ لَكُمْ Upon you is to take the permission that Allah has given you. So this narration indicates what? The Prophet ﷺ was out on a journey and he saw a crowd of people and one of them was being shaded. Everybody was helping him to be shaded. He said, what's this? What's going on? They said, he's fasting. He's fasting. So they were trying to help him give him shade. Prophet said, it is not piety to fast when traveling. And in the other narration, take the permission that Allah has given you. These hadith here seem to indicate that when you're traveling, you should take the option of not fasting. That's what it seems to indicate very clearly. That you should not fast. But does it indicate it is haram? No. All it indicates is the Prophet says it is not from piety to fast when traveling. Meaning, you should take the option not to. But not that it's haram. Otherwise, if it was haram, the wording would have been clear. Haram, open your fast now. All the Prophet said was it is not piety to fast when traveling. Indicating that it's better that you don't. But you can if you want. Better that you don't though. In the other narration as well, upon you is to take the permission that Allah has given you. Again, indicating, take the permission of not fasting. But the hadith don't mean it is haram to fast. They just seem to indicate that you should take the choice of not fasting. Some scholars have explained this though. Uh, I mean, it's a difference of opinion. It is a difference of opinion which choice should you take. Should you fast or should you take the permission and not fast? Some of the scholars, the salaf, were very strict on this. They were very strict. And they said, you should not fast when you're traveling. Al-Imam al-Zuhri, Al-Imam al-Nakha'i, they used to say, if you fast when you're traveling, it doesn't even count. Very strict on this opinion. Because of these narrations. I mean, the second one, it's understandable. Alaykum bi Upon you is to take the permission Allah has given you. That indicates an order. Indicates a command upon you. Alaykum is a command form. Alaykum upon you is to take this permission. That indicates an order, a command. Doesn't indicate the choice. So some of them were very severe, very severe. They said, no, you cannot fast when you're traveling. And this is also narrated from Abdurrahman ibn Auf. It is narrated from him. Narrated from Abu Huraira. Narrated from Abdullah ibn Umar.
narrated from the Zahiriyyah that you cannot fast when you're traveling. Do not fast when you're traveling. That is an opinion, very strict on it. But the majority of the scholars, that is a minority opinion. The majority of the scholars, including all of the four A'imma, uh, Abu Hanifa, Malik, Shafi'i, Ahmed, all of them say what we just said before, it is an option. It is an option, it is allowed to fast if you want, and it is allowed to miss if you want. And you can see in the narrations why they came to that conclusion, the hadith of Hamza, very clear. He came and said, shall I fast when I'm traveling? The Prophet said, fast if you want, take it off if you want. Clear. So the majority of the scholars did take this opinion that it is permissible either way. But some of the scholars, they took some of those narrations and they took that to mean that it is not allowed. لَيْسَ مِنَ الْبِرْءَ fi safar. It is not piety to fast when you're traveling. Take the permission Allah has given you, etc. And they came to the conclusion that you should not fast when you're traveling. But the majority opinion is that it is permissible either way. Then we have عن أنس بن مالك رضي الله عنه قال كنا مع رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم في سفر فمنا الصائم ومنا المفطر. He said we were with the Prophet ﷺ on a journey and there were some of us who were fasting and some of us who were not fasting. قال فنزلنا منزلا في يوم حار وأكثرنا ظلا صاحب الكساء ومنا من يتق الشمس بيده. He said, we came to our place on a hot day and many of us, we were covered with our clothing and some of us with our hands, we were trying to stop the sun. And he said, the people who were fasting collapsed. But the ones who weren't, they were remaining standing. So then they made their, their tents, etc. And they gave the food, uh, the water. فَقَالَ الرَّسُولُ أَسَلَّمْ ذَهَبَ الْمُفْتِرُونَ الْيَوْمَ بِالْأَجْرِ So the Prophet said, the ones who weren't fasting have taken the reward today. The ones who were fasting in that journey and the heat, when they got there, they collapsed. They couldn't do anything. But the ones who weren't fasting, they were the ones who did everything, sorted everything out. The food, the, the water, the tents, etc. So the Prophet said, the ones who weren't fasting, they've taken the reward today. So in this narration, uh, many of the companions or the ones who were traveling on this journey, they were struggling with the heat. They were struggling with the heat. It was a hot time. And they were thirsty. When they stopped, the ones who were not fasting, they still had the strength. They made the tents, they gave the camels the water, etc., and so the Prophet ﷺ said, they've taken the reward. The hadith again indicates to you the permissibility of not fasting or fasting. Some of them were fasting, some of them were not fasting. Again indicating this ruling was well established. You can fast or you cannot fast. Also, it indicates... From this narration, what's better choice? Not to fast. Because those who didn't fast were being praised 
for what they did. Those who did not fast, they were being praised for what they did. But they were the ones able to arrange everything and fix everything up. The others who were fasting had lost their energy. They were struggling. So here, the ones who were not fasting, they were the ones who were given the praise. So again, some of the scholars use narrations like that to say the option you should take is, don't fast. That's the reason, these types of narrations. Then, عن عائشة رضي الله عنها قالت كان يكون علي السوم من رمضان فما أستطيع أن أقضي إلا في شعبان عائشة رضي الله عنها says that I used to have days left to make up in Ramadan you have days left to make up women especially for the period the period comes one week they can't fast so Aisha radiallahu anha said, I had some days left to make up. And I never used to end up getting round to being able to make them up until Sha'ban of the next year. Meaning, in this month now before Ramadan. She says, I used to have days left to make up, but I never used to get the chance to do them until Sha'ban. Now in this month before Ramadan. This indicates what? It indicates that the one who misses fasts obviously has to make them up. Somebody who's traveling, somebody who was ill for a while, woman on the period, etc. You miss those days, you got to make them up afterwards. It also indicates to you that the possibility of making them up is open all the way until next Ramadan. Any time before next Ramadan starts, you can make up those days. So now this Ramadan coming, if you miss two days, you went traveling somewhere... Your chance to make up those two days is open all the way until next Ramadan. If next Ramadan starts and you haven't done it, you'll be a severe sinner. There'll be sin upon you, there could be punishment upon you. But before next Ramadan, as long as you make them up, even if it's just two weeks before Ramadan, you, you come around to it and you make them up. Done. It's allowed. So this hadith indicates Aisha radiallahu anha used to do that. But why did she used to do that? Because we know that it's better not to delay. It's better to finish them early, especially as we're going to come to later on. If you want to get the reward of the six days of Shawwal, you need to make up all of your missing days first. Any missing days, you have to make them up first, then you can do those six days of Shawwal. Everybody knows about the reward of the six days of Shawwal after Ramadan. Those six days only count if you finish off all of your days of Ramadan first. If you had some days to make up, make them up first, then you do your six of shawwal. So really it's better to make them up quickly. But, why did Aisha radiallahu anha not do that then? Aisha radiallahu anha. Why didn't she do it quickly? She left it all the way to the end. The scholars, they say, it is not because nowadays people are lazy. It wasn't because of that. It was because Aisha radiallahu anha, she used to look after the Home of the Prophet ﷺ and the rights of the Prophet ﷺ to the maximum. Always preoccupied and busy doing the rights of the Prophet ﷺ of the home, etc. And she was a scholar to herself. They used to come to her and ask her questions, the other companions, everything. So all of these reasons, they were the reason why she ended up being so late or towards the end in making them up. Not because lazy or just want to delay it. Because of how she was and what she used to do and the rights she used to fulfill. The point of the narration is, you're allowed to delay it, it's allowed, and it counts. 
but it is better that you should make them up as soon as you are able to make them up. If you don't make them up and next Ramadan comes and starts, like now we got four or five days left. Ramadan's gonna start maybe Friday or Saturday. If you got days left and you don't make them up by then, some of the scholars they say kafara is upon you as well. Expiation we were talking about. Others they say no, it's not upon you to do that, but you have to make tawbah, you have to repent, you are a sinner for doing that. <coughs> then the next hadith after that. عن عائشة رضي الله عنها أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال من مات وعليه صيام صام عنه وليه Whoever dies and they've got days left to make up then the next of kin makes up those days. Somebody had a few days left to make up from Ramadan but they died and never made them up. The next of kin, the son, the daughter, brother, sister can you make them up for that person? Yeah. That person had days to make up. They died without making them up. So now that's a problem. They had days left over. They never made them up. Can you make them up for them? Can you fast on their behalf? So it's a difference. It's not very clear straight away. Some scholars, they say, it is impermissible to fast on behalf of somebody else all the time. It is completely impermissible. For example, can you pray, do a salah for somebody else? Never. They say fasting the same. You can never fast for somebody else. That's one of the worships you can't do for anybody else. Like prayer, fasting the same. They say, some scholars, you cannot fast on behalf of somebody else anytime. It doesn't count. This is the opinion of Al-Imam Abu Hanifa, Al-Imam Malik, and the newer opinion of Al-Imam Shafi'i. The second opinion is, you are allowed to fast on behalf of somebody, only fasts that are not obligatory by default. Which fasts are obligatory by default? Ramadan. Which ones are not obligatory by default, but became obligatory afterwards? A vow. Imagine one of your relatives, your father, your mother, your brother, sister, son, daughter, had made a vow to Allah, taken an oath to fast one week. But they died before they did it. Now, it is obligatory for them to fast those seven days if they've taken an oath, a vow to do it. They've died though. Those seven days, were they obligatory by default? No. They made the vow and made them obligatory upon themselves. Those ones you can fast on their behalf. Those ones you can fast on their behalf. Because those fasts are not obligatory ones by default. They became obligatory by the vow. Those ones you can fast for them. Make them up for them. Do the vow for them. But the obligatory ones, those you can't. That is the second opinion. First opinion was any type of fast, you can't do it for somebody else. Second opinion, the obligatory ones by default, like Ramadan, you can't. But the other ones, like the vowing ones, you can. 
This is the second opinion, the opinion of Imam Ahmad, opinion of Al-Layth, Ishaq ibn Rahuya, ibn Al-Qayyim. The third opinion is what then? You can fast the vowing ones and even the ones which are obligatory by default, like the Ramadan ones. That is the third opinion of the scholars. That is the opinion of Abu Thawr, Abu Thawr, Ibn Hazm, and some of the scholars. It is one of the opinions of Imam Shafi'i. So these are three opinions on this issue. Many of the scholars seem to take the opinion that you can fast them if they are not obligatory by default. But the ones which are obligatory by default, you can't. That seems to be the opinion of many scholars. So if somebody died and they got days of Ramadan to make up, you don't make those days up. That's gone, nothing upon them now. That seems to be the opinion of many of the scholars. But like we've seen here, there are three different opinions about the issue. So it is uh, something that isn't clear in one opinion. That's where we'll round off today. Next week we're going to start... Carrying on with the same kind of topic, it's about a woman who comes to the Prophet ﷺ and she tells him that her mother had made a vow about fasting, but then died. So what are the rulings, etc.? That's the hadith we'll start with next week, inshallah, at the same time, 7 p.m. So we'll round up for there today then. Any questions on that so far? Absolutely, suhoor is a sunnah. Suhoor is a sunnah, so you should take it for the nafal fast too. But even if you don't, it counts, because the nafal fast, you might make your intention in the middle of the day, as long as you haven't eaten or drunk or anything. Another question, is there anything else in the sunnah about uh, the Prophet like breaking his tar of salt if he didn't have any dates and water? Salt? Yeah. I don't know anything about the salt. Allah alam. Mm. Yeah, prayer as well. Because scholars will say to you, if you never used to pray, then you're not considered to be Muslim anyway. That's what some scholars say. If you never used to pray, you weren't even Muslim. Now you're praying, alhamdulillah, now you're Muslim. Now start doing zakat, fasting, everything now. Make repentance and seek forgiveness for everything that's gone by and start properly from fresh now. That is what many of the scholars say about those things. Anything else? Okay, we'll round off on that for today then. Inshallah, carry on from next week then.